It's time now for the Lamb Macrolane Legal Show. Each show, heard every other Thursday at 1230, will feature different lawyers and their guests from the law firm of Lamb Macrolane. Good afternoon, everybody. My name is Dan Bush, and I am a criminal defense attorney and a partner at Lamb Macrolane here in Westchester. And I'm joined today, as always at this time, uh, with my or from my by my partner, Steve Jarman. Steve, you there? I'm here. I'm here. How you doing? I'm doing great. We are doing things a little bit differently today. Like everybody else nowadays, we are not where we are supposed to be at this hour, or I guess where the governor has wanted us to be is exactly where we are. Uh, we are in separate locations. We would normally be in the studio at this time. We are not. I am on the phone. Steve is on the phone. And hopefully, uh, hopefully everything goes fairly smoothly, technologically speaking. Steve, how are you holding up? I'm I'm doing as good as as can be, you know. It's it's uh it's one of those weird scenarios where everyone is going through the same thing at the same time, you know. So uh, everyone's affected. Doesn't matter if you're a lawyer, doctor, you know, retail clerk, what have you. Uh, it's one of those rare once in a lifetime situations where everyone's going through pretty much the same thing. Maybe not on the same level, but pretty much the same thing. You know, that's so true, and I think that yeah. in, a, in an odd way, that makes it more palatable to people, that they're, that they're saying, look, and, and maybe they're not consciously thinking about that, but uh, there's definitely a part of, I think, everybody of their internal clock that's sitting there saying, hey, you know what, this isn't just me. And as much as I want to complain about everything uh, or how I'm bored or how things aren't going very well for me financially, I think there's a part of everyone that says you have to do it. You have to grin and bear it, and we'll get through this together. Absolutely. Okay. Well, in part of getting through this together is we're going to try to talk about some of the things that are actually going on out there currently. Um Usually we, Steve and I, try to pick some type of area of the criminal law that we think is interesting enough to sit here and talk about it for 30 minutes. Today we're not going to do just the law. We're really going to try to focus on the current state of things. Um, and what I mean is, what's the courthouse like? Uh, what's the prison like? What's the future of criminal law and arrests and everything? What are they going to look like after this whole thing kind of passes? And it'll pass. Eventually it'll pass. What the world's going to look like afterwards is, is unknown, but it'll definitely pass. So we're going to talk about a little bit what it's like now. For us as criminal practitioners, criminal lawyers, what the laws are, are doing to kind of handle things. And uh, Steve wrote a great article the other day about what the world, from a criminal lawyer's perspective, might look like. And I, I really am going to try to tap into Steve's knowledge about all of those suggestions in that article. So let's get rolling, right? All right, let's do it. Okay. Uh, so I was sitting around talking with somebody when this whole thing started, and we basically all said, well, what are we going to do now? I've got people in prison. I've got cases coming up. How are we going to handle them? What's, are the judges going to be around? Um, and nobody knew the answer. And obviously, things have developed literally on a daily basis and change. It's, it's probably the most dynamic situation that I've, and fluid situation that I've ever experienced as a professional. Um, and especially in the first two or three weeks, whether it was Governor Wolf, 
or whether it was the local judges uh, county by county that have come out with orders saying that this is what our world is going to look like for the short term. Um, but everybody has really laid down some type of overriding order saying, hey, this is how we are going to conduct things. And I guess the big takeaway is is that it's impossible to shut down courts, um, whether it's criminal courts or whether it's divorce courts or uh, people suing one another. You can't just stop doing that and putting it on hold. So uh, a while back, Governor Wolf came down with, in addition to his proclamation about what emergency businesses were, he came down also and said that courts will continue to operate for what he listed as emergency functions only. And what you might think of as emergency functions aren't necessarily the things that you would think of as emergency businesses, meaning it's not just the cases that are absolutely positively necessary to get resolved so that we can move on to tomorrow. Um, but nonetheless, the governor came out with a Commonwealth-wide order, and then what each county was able to do is they were able to modify things a little bit. Um, and that's exactly what Chester County, obviously we practice primarily, Steve and I practice primarily in Chester County. Chester County came down and they modified things a little bit that allowed more cases to get into court. Steve, have you been over to the Chester County Courthouse lately? I have not. Um, I have uh, obviously been in communication with different uh, office holders over there, but I have not physically uh, been in the courthouse. And I, and I think that that was the, the whole intent here was they wanted to limit access to how many people were in um, in the courtrooms. And, and just to be clear, you know, what we're talking about is, you know, the governor, pretty much everywhere, the, the president, the governor, there's an emphasis on social distancing um, with this virus. Um, you know, if you're within close proximity of someone, you you know, there's a chance that if that person has it, you can get it. So uh, with the governor and, uh, you know, the, the courts are doing, they're trying to do whatever they can to limit our interactions. Uh, so, um, you know, unless you have those emergency situations, which you're going to get into, um, you know, we're not going to go to court. So normal, you know, Daily activities that go on the court, on the courthouses, those aren't happening right now. It truly has to be an emergency, and you know you're going to tell people, you know, kind of what those are and some of the situations that you know you you've actually been to court. Uh, you can you know get into that and you know kind of describe to the audience what uh, what is an emergency, what you've been to court for recently. Yeah, and you're right. I haven't been to court a whole heck of a meaning physically been to court a whole heck of a lot, but I do have clients that are incarcerated, um, as do you, and things aren't just stopping. Um, the prison is a whole different area that we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, but right now, Chester County Courthouse, the general rule is Chester County Courthouse is closed, but for certain emergency situations. And in a nutshell, what those emergency situations are, are... Uh, Things where people are going to be locked up, um, they are or have gotten locked up, uh, or the 
family-type situations where you're talking about children uh, and children being taken away from their parents or children being divided amongst um, spouses and ex-spouses, protection from abuse hearings are uh, very popular to be in the courthouse nowadays. And when I say popular, that's one of the emergency situations um, that the courthouses and the judges are hearing. And the reason is, is that, first of all, I guess a little bit of a background on protection from abuse orders is probably germane to the understanding what we're talking about. A protection from abuse order is essentially uh, one party of a relationship, whether it's spouses or uh, could be even brother or sisters living under the same roof. They go to, they believe that for one reason or another, their uh, safety and protection is compromised in some way. In other words, they've been threatened. And um, they can go and get a protection from abuse order from either a local district judge or uh, a common pleas judge, and it essentially is a stay-away order that the other party, uh, if if it were husband and wife, and the husband went and got a protection from abuse order against his spouse, that it basically says that the spouse cannot see the husband, um, and there's other things that go along with that, unfortunately, and which makes it more of an emergency sometimes is that there's children involved in a relationship too. Uh, And the interesting thing about protection from abuse orders is when the governor originally came down from uh, with his commonwealth-wide order, he said that one of the emergency functions of the court is to deal only with what are called emergency protection from abuse order. And that's like a first level order that you can go and get from the courts. The problem is that an emergency hearing, emergency PFA only lasts 72 hours. And then you have to get in front of a higher level court. That higher level court was being pushed off through the judges, uh, through Governor Wolf's order. And you could get an emergency PFA that instead of lasting 72 hours would last the length of this entire pandemic, uh, literally with no end in sight. So what some of the counties did, including Chester County, is they came in and said, no, not only emergency PFAs, any PFAs will be heard in front of the court. Um, I'll give you a perfect example. We were in front of a hearing when this first thing all started, and I think our hearing was March 30th. Uh, It ended up being a three-hour hearing, but the reason for it was because it it was a mother seeking a protection from abuse order for the protection of her child. Uh, and what it was doing, it was the emergency PFA was granted in favor of the child. It said basically the father can't see the child for 72 hours until we resolve this, and then the pandemic hit. And it was possible that the father wasn't able to see the, see the child for the next three months. So Chester County said, no, that's an emergency, and you can go into court and we can litigate things uh, on an emergency basis, which is what we ended up doing. So to answer the question whether I've been in the courthouse, that's the only time I've been in the courthouse in three weeks. It's a little bit different, isn't it? It is a little bit different. Um, As I was telling you earlier, um, so I haven't been in uh, a physical courthouse in, since this pandemic has hit, but I have done uh, a, a preliminary hearing. I've been to uh, virtual court, which is something that's uh, interesting now. In Montgomery County, um, they 
I have a client who's incarcerated, and the emphasis really has been on people who are incarcerated. They really want to make sure that people who are in jail, uh, their cases aren't being delayed because there's certain uh, constitutional uh, uh, rules that require that cases move along quickly. So, um, you know, I had a preliminary hearing in Montgomery County last week where I was, we all logged on. Every party in the case logged on at the same time. And I was in, at my kitchen table. Uh, the prosecutor was in his office at his home. I could hear his, his uh, newborn baby in the background uh, crying. <laughs> uh, the judge was uh, in his office somewhere. And then uh, my client was um, at the prison. So, um, you know, four part, and, and the police officer, I forgot to mention the police officer, he had logged on from his, uh, I believe, his home. So all the parties that were intricate uh, to the case, we're able to log on through video. We all see each other, and we were able to conduct a criminal hearing. Now, it was a, a quick matter. It was just a waiver, um, meaning we weren't uh, contesting the hearing at that time. Uh, so, But nonetheless, um, if we had to wait for this pandemic to be over, it could be two, three more months. My client's just sitting there, and the case is not moving along. So this, this was at least helpful to have things moving along. And and they complied with the governor's order. Everybody was kept safe. I was in my house. Uh, the judge was in his house. DA in their house, cop, et cetera, uh, is in his house. And my client was um, at the prison. So uh, the social distancing requirements were uh, kept in place, and we were still able to move forward with the judicial process. Steve, what county was this? This was uh, Montgomery County. So it sounds like Montgomery County has set up uh, basically a virtual chat room when you can you can actually do these hearings if you want. Am I right? Correct. They have their own uh, uh, system in place. It's not Zoom. Um, I, I can't think of the name right off the top of my head, but um, basically uh, prior to the – and this is all voluntary. I wanted to emphasize that. Uh, if my client has said, I want to be in person, um, I don't want to do it this way, then that would have been complied with. Um, but in our situation, it would have made no sense to, to delay it. But um, once there's, you know, been agreement that all parties would do it this way, you know, the, the court, you know, you call into a certain number that's provided by the court and, you know, everybody's there and ready to go at a certain time. Could you see the other parties as well? Yes, everyone could see each other. So, you know, I could... Uh, it was five people, uh, including the judge. Uh, we could all see each other's faces, and uh, we could all hear each other. Fantastic. So what? that's for the preliminary hearing purposes. A preliminary hearing for those who aren't normally involved in this situation. Preliminary hearing is the first-level hearing in the criminal process. You're re required, especially if you have an incarcerated client, you're required uh, to have a preliminary hearing within three to ten days of the initial arrest. And then that's just to see if the case moves on in the process. Um, so, again, that's, that's consistent with exactly what uh, all the orders from the various counties are, is that if somebody is locked up, we need to get them in front of a judge within a certain amount of time. And we need to do it as expeditiously as humanly possible. Um, there's constitutional requirements, as you were saying, but then there's also just practical requirements is we can't just let people sit. Uh, and everybody wants to get the process moving, not just for constitutional reasons, but because eventually this is going to break. And you want to 
have people that have moved along in the system as well. Chester County is not only in the criminal world, but they've in the civil world, they've also, as I guess has the entire Commonwealth, uh, and you're seeing with some of the federal courts as well, they've extended all their filing deadlines. So in a civil case where you have to have uh, um, your response to a certain motion within 30 days, all those things have been extended as well. So the court system is clearly taking a look at everything and saying, look, we have to change the way that we, we're doing things to accommodate not only the needs of the clients, meaning the individuals either incarcerated or people who are the litigants in a civil complaint, uh, but also just the realities of what's going on out there. And speaking of that, uh, one of the hot topics now is what's going on in the prisons. And the fact is that obviously there were people that were locked up at the time that this thing hit, um, and the prisons have really become kind of a a hot a hot spot for this disease. And if you've been paying attention, which I know everybody has, and you watch the news, places like prisons and uh, and like old age homes. Um, when this disease gets in there, there's very little they can do to kind of stem the tide of it just spreading. And with that in mind, Steve, talk about some of the things that you've heard that the prisons are doing to kind of do exactly that, stem the tide, uh, keep not only the disease out of the prison, but God forbid it gets into it. What have you heard people are doing? So that's a good question. So uh, there's basically two things. So one, it, there, there's there is an effort on like prosecutors and judges to try to uh, limit the people in the prison. You know the amount of prisoners. Um, so there has you know, uh, the governor uh, just put out something last week where you know they're they're looking for people to you know for lack of better words seems like pardon or, or grant clemency to you know get get people out of the prison if if you can people that are nonviolent people that are have done some low level offense you know people that are close to their parole periods get them out of there if possible um, i was reading an article yesterday steve yeah. that said and i'm sorry to interrupt uh, yeah, I read an article that the first wave of prisoners uh, yesterday were released uh, throughout oh, the good, Commonwealth good. based on uh, the judge's orders. You know how many there were? How many? <laughs> seven. I, I read two different things, seven wow. or eight. Yeah, so everybody everybody saw the initial order from, from uh, Governor Wolf and said, oh, my God, he's letting the prisoners out. Well, the first yeah. wave allowed seven throughout the Commonwealth. Wow, that I'm sure that that's not going to be enough. I mean, that I mean, this is we're hearing a lot of numbers of you know potentially being a lot of people in prisons with this virus. Um, you know, so that's one thing. One thing is the they're they're trying to make an effort to lessen the amount of people that are in the prison. As far as safety, they are limiting uh, our access, uh, professional visits. Um, uh, and family visits. Right now, I believe it's across the board. Uh, family members can't go visit uh, their loved ones in the prison. Uh, we've always, as attorneys, had uh, unlimited access pretty much. We could go uh, pretty much any time of day we wanted. 
with no restrictions and, and meet our client. Um, but that's been limited now. Uh, what, so what I've been trying to do um, in Chester County, they've really been um, good at allowing me to have a, a, a conference call with my clients. So I would able be able to call their counselor. Uh, just so the audience knows, most if a client were to call me from the prison, um, it's likely all, all calls are monitored. Uh, so what what happens is if you ask to speak with a counselor, uh, the counselor can bring the client to their office, and that conversation is not recorded, and then we can have a private conversation. So uh, at least some counselors at the Chester County Prison have been very accommodating to me and uh, getting me to get access to my clients so we can have uh, conversations. In Montgomery County, what they've instituted is uh, video chats. Uh, again, private video chats where I uh, log in. I have my own login number, and I go to a certain website, and I type in the client that I w wish to speak to, and I set up a time. Um, usually, you need this, uh, you know, maybe a 24 hours notice. And, you know, I just did this earlier today, 11 o'clock. I had a, um, I set up a meeting for 11 o'clock, and I log in about 10 minutes uh, prior to our meeting. And at 11 o'clock, uh, the client's brought to the to the conference room, and we have a video chat. Um, so that's been very convenient. Uh, you know, in fact. Uh, because of this the nature of this particular case, things need to move quickly. I need answers basically on a on a daily basis. Um, I basically had met with this client four or five times over the last week uh, through video uh, chat. Um, so this has very, been very convenient um, to me. So to your point earlier, you talked about uh, basically there's two things, two ways to uh, deal with the prison situation. Obviously, the easiest is you reduce the prison population by not only getting the people out that are in there, but not putting more people in there. And to that end, I saw a stat yesterday, or actually it was last week. It was unbelievable to me, but obviously we are feeling it as criminal law attorneys. <laughs> the state police gave a statistic compared to the week before the corona outbreak, last week's arrests we're down 89%. That's wow. the state police throughout the Commonwealth. Philadelphia itself had just within the, uh, the city of Philadelphia, their stats 79% reduced from the week before this thing broke. That's a lot, obviously. I mean, you're talking about an enormous amount of people, and you don't want to sit there and say the police aren't doing their job. That's not obviously what we're saying. In fact, I saw something that Philadelphia originally, um, in the beginning, had basically put out an order to their officers that said they are not going to arrest certain a certain list of crimes. In other words, there were maybe six, seven nonviolent offenses that they said we are not arresting these people. And again, the original reaction from people was, oh my God, we're not arresting burglars. Well, it's not that, like they weren't ever going to arrest them. They just deemed them not to be serious enough to put into prison right now. And the, with the idea is, look, you get in there, and then the numbers get jacked up, 
and then potentially you can have yourself a seriously horrific situation. So what they were doing was essentially they would take, let's say they arrested somebody for a burglary. If they deemed that person to be a nonviolent person and not a future risk, they would take that person's information, and whereas they would normally take them right to prison, they were delaying the filing of the arrest paperwork so that they were just going to file them at some later point. Look, Steve, I wanted to get into the article that you had written the other day, and unfortunately we don't have that much time. But tell us a little bit about that article, and I'll give you the title of it, and you run with it. It says, Will the COVID crisis permanently change the way that we practice criminal defense? Yeah, so what what, um, what I was thinking about is, like, when, as a professional, a lot of times we do things just because that's the way it's always been done. But sometimes in a crisis, you're forced to, like, break the norm and do things a different way. Uh, in my article, I give an example of the oil uh, crisis in the 70s where uh, they, they, they instituted a national speed limit for the purpose of uh, saving uh, gas. So, you know, for fuel efficiency purposes. Um, but once they did that, they realized that lives were being saved. There were less accidents. So that was kind of like a, a good unintended consequence. So it, had, it, it put the question in my mind, well, some of the things we're doing now have good unintended consequences or at least uh, causes to do things different that people will like moving forward and therefore, you know, become the standard. In my article, that national speed limit stayed in effect for 20 years, long after the oil crisis ended. So, for example, just as I talked about the, the prison visit that I've had virtually, you know, over the last week, um, you know, for a regular prison visit, it, it could take you, you might have to block off a half a day of your time to meet your client. Sometimes you only have maybe you only have a, one question to ask and the, the whole meeting could take 10 minutes. But in order to drive to the prison, go through security, do all the things you need to do, that can end up being three hours out of your time. So uh, obviously for something like this where I just need to ask a few questions, a virtual uh, meeting is, is preferable. Same thing with uh, preliminary hearings. Uh, the preliminary hearing I described that I had last week. That process, you know, uh, before the crisis, if it, we would have to go there in person. Uh, my client would have to be transported from the prison. Uh, you know, I would have to block off a half a part of my day because there would be other people who had cases before me, and we'd have to sit through all that before we could proceed. Uh, the actual time in front of the judge may only be 10 minutes, but I'm – I would be spending three, four hours of my day just to drive to and from, waiting for the hearing. Same thing with uh, the constables who have to transport the prisoner. They have to spend three or four hours just for that 10 minutes in front of the judge. So it had me wonder, like, when, when we're done with all this, when this is over, are we going to see that some of the changes we made, people like, that we're going to want to keep doing those? Are we going to, will that become the new norm? So the lawyer in me says, well, what about that, that uh, Bill of Rights thing that says, I have a right to confront the witnesses against me? See, that's, that's an interesting point. So th this wouldn't be a catch-all. But, like, so, for instance, if we had a contested preliminary hearing, uh, we would want to have that in person. Uh, we want to cross-examine witnesses. We were going to have a trial. Clearly, you can't have a virtual. It would be almost impossible to have a virtual trial. But for, for quick matters... And there's so many quick matters that we do as a lawyer where we're only, we're only in front of the judge maybe five minutes, but maybe we've been in the courthouse for four hours just waiting to have the, 
you know, uncontested matter be heard. So for those uncontested matters, you can see a scenario in the future where it's like, wait a minute, you know, uh, we save county money by not having to have the constables transport this prisoner to the courthouse. They, they spoke to the judge for two minutes, and then they had to sit in the holding cell for another hour sure. or two and then be transported back. And I guess you know, those you are things that, I think that, yeah. You figure that uh, it's the client's rights at issues, and, and if the client is the one who's willing to sign off on it, then there isn't a problem with the pro- potentially depriving of anybody of constitutional rights. Uh, and Correct. Steve, I'm sorry to touch you off. Everything would have we, to be agreed to. Yeah, go ahead. We're, we're up against it on time, and that's totally my fault because I babbled in the beginning like I always do. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, you, trust me, you'd rather listen to Steve. He's more interesting than I am, and I just got lost in time. Steve, just the one last point I wanted to make. I thought your article was phenomenal, um, and whether it's going to stay around for a long time and the changes are going to stay around, when I was reading your article, the point that I thought of is a doctor's house call. And back in the day that everybody was, all doctors made house calls back in the day. And eventually... Wow, good example. Yeah, eventually the the, uh, the practice of medicine changed. And if you ask people back in the day, they say, no, absolutely not. There's no way I would go to a doctor who wouldn't come to my house. Well, guess what? Nowadays, everybody does it like that. And it's even changing now to potentially this telemedicine thing. So sometimes you just get used to the way things are, and then the way things are changes, and you get used to that, the new reality, right? Absolutely. All right, Steve, look, we we were out of time here. Uh, It always goes so fast. Thank you for your time, and thanks for uh, cutting out half an hour for us today. Uh, Again, Steve and I are... These are our opinions. They're not the opinions of our firm, or they don't uh, express any other intention other than to really put out what we think on a particular subject. So don't use this as legal advice, right? Absolutely. This is just a a chat. It's our chat, yeah. Hopefully hopefully you took something out of it, and hopefully we can pare it down to actually staying within 30 minutes next time. Um, Everybody (laughs) stay Stay safe out there. Uh, Do what we're supposed to do on social distancing. This thing will pass. And until then and until next time, we'll see you later. Take care, Steve. See you later, Dan. Stay safe. Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Lamb Lane Legal Show, heard every other Thursday at 1230 on WCHE 1520, the talk of Chester County.